welcome to the Bromley Adult Education College Digital Drop-In Podcast, getting you back to work with confidence. Hello, I'm Jill Collier and welcome to episode 20 of the Digital Drop-In Podcast. Today I'm joined by Rebecca Jones, who has had a change of career. Rebecca was working for a large sort of retail chain and for whatever reasons she's moved over now to still still serving customers, patients. She's moved over to working for a doctor's surgery. So, hello, Rebecca. Hello, Jill. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. That's okay. So, how long were you working um, in the retail? I, in the retail business for I don't know whether the, your last job was your only job in retail or whether you've got a history of retail I'm not sure yeah so all in all probably over spread over several years probably eight years maybe even ten years right um, there were gaps in between but in the the last job I worked in retail I was there for just over two years two years what is the good and the bad and the ugly of working in retail then, or and why did you move? So what did you like and dislike? I liked the variety of it because no one day is ever the same. There's several jobs within the day that needs doing that changes seasonally as well, so for like Christmas, Easter, summer, So when you winter. say several jobs, as in? So you might be on the till, right? Uh, stacking shelves, checking stock, and how does that change seasonally then? So you'd have to do a change of shop layout. Oh, I see. So for summer, it would be suntan lotions. Right, the stock is changing. Yeah. Right, And then yes. Christmas, obviously, that's a really busy period. Yes. Um, Better when you're busy or when you're quiet? It depends what you're doing. If you're on the till, you want it busy. If you're doing the store layout, you want it a bit more quieter so you don't get too many interruptions so you don't lose your sort of train of thought because some of those plans are printed really tiny are they so there's no sort of artistic representation from you you're given a plan you are given a plan but sometimes they might leave a bit of artistic license but most of the bigger retailers each store is given a plan dependent on what market you're aimed at. So you could be the same chain, but each store might be targeting a different audience. Oh, so it's not a case that you want people to think, when I walk in, I know, um, I don't know, deodorants are going to be on the left and I know I'm going to go up to... It's not that, it's that it would target different... Yes, so... For the company I worked for, they had the bigger stores were called destination stores. So they would have the more luxurious items at the front of the store and the more basic needs nearer the back of the store. So when you come in, you're like, wow, this is nice, pretty. Right. And so they're targeting 
that market for maybe the bigger ticket items. So right. they would be at the front, be all sparkly and exciting. But then if you was a family store, then you may well have the offers for your deodorants, bath stuff at the front right. of the store. Generally, they follow a similar layout, but what audience they're targeting is how they're laid out. Right, okay. Um, yeah, because I was kind of thinking with supermarket chains, you almost know the minute you get in, the first thing you're going to get to, or maybe it's just me, I think fruit and vegetables. Yes, yeah. I think um, almost anyone I go into, I see the fruit and veg first. Yeah. Whereas I think you're saying with other retail, it's it may yeah. well vary depending yeah. on the audience. Yeah. So would you call a family store something like... Orpington High Street, would that come under family? Yes. And Oxford Street in London? Destination. Destination. Yeah. Right, okay. So that's their bigger, mm. like, flagship stores. Because realistically, you tend to do your shopping for your bits and bobs locally, don't yes. you, I guess? Yeah. And you only go in for larger... I don't know, if you're working in London, you probably might... So on. I think they sort of have in... For example, Blue Water, they might have more tanning products than you would in Orpington. Right. Because then you've got the Saturday shoppers, so you've got a different age demographic. Right. Yes. So you'd yes. have more tanning, maybe more makeup, etc. Yes. So it, it's kind of. It's interesting how these business models have work, been worked out, really, but it's yes. tried and tested. They yes. know what they're doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you were there for a couple of years. Yeah. And what prompted you to want to move away from that? Or did you not want to? Just an opportunity it presented um, itself? I did want to move away from it. I liked it. And, there, and definitely in retail, there is definitely room to progress. And they, well, the company I worked for definitely encouraged that. Oh, that's good. Um, but long hours, bank holidays, Christmas, etc., and also standing for long periods of time. Slightly older now, so I didn't want to do the standing so much, but I did want to still be customer facing, customer service. So that's when I started looking for other jobs that involved working with people. So you did think it through quite carefully then? Yes, yeah. Right. And did you shortlist jobs that you thought might be of interest or you just were I, looking online or whatever? No, you I looked? did. I did narrow it right down because do you have any examples of things you were looking for or so sitting down <laughs> um dealing with the public and something that made a bit of a difference to the community oh right where you could sort of feel that though the job was basic that you was helping with in the community okay so yes that's um yeah, so it was sort of something like yeah. library, the... Yeah. Um, I did think about going back into pharmacy, but that again is sanding and retail hours, which they've expanded them greatly now, like Tesco's open till 10 o'clock, the pharmacy there. I know. So, yeah, so I didn't want to go... it might even be 10.30, yeah, actually. Yeah, so I didn't want to go back into that. So, yeah, right. that, so I narrowed it right down and to what I what experience I'd had previously. Right. So, did you apply for many jobs? 
I did, yes. Roughly number, 5, 10, 20? Uh, probably about 15. 15, mm. right. And so, uh, for one, um, I got an interview and was accepted, but I turned it down because it became apparent going through the process that it wasn't as they said it was going to be. So I turned that down and then all the others were just coming back saying, I've had so many applicants, you was unsuccessful this time. Do you trust your gut? If you if you something doesn't feel quite right, do you think, no, I do. I'll walk away? Definitely. Yeah. And in this situation, as I said, I'm getting a mm. bit older, so it had to be the right move. Yes. So I, I liked the job that I was in. It was more thinking along to the future that I wanted yeah. to leave it, so I wasn't just going to jump ship. No. I liked the people I worked with, liked the job, etc. So I had to really think, yeah. no, that's not the job for and me. If you applied, let's say, for 15 as a round mm. number and you got an interview for one and then maybe 10, 12, 13, instant dismissal. Yes. Too many yeah. applicants. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Did, did, are you a determined enough person that you kept going or did it knock you back and you um, thought, I don't know if I can be bothered? The first few, I was disappointed. But then I applied to so many that I just thought, oh, it just becomes a bit easier to apply because you've, if you apply for the same sort of jobs, then you know what to put in your application, you know your cover letter, and you get it a bit down quicker. Yes. So then it, does, it doesn't, and I kept saying to myself, I like my job that I'm in, so don't rush the process, so just yes. keep applying. And then I got to the point where I'd applied to so many that I did think, right, I'm going to stop applying for the time being, plod along for a little bit longer. And then this interview, then one of them got back to me. With, Amazing. Yeah. The, the reason I was asking that is because I think some people that listen to this may be out of work and they've applied. And when you're out of work, of course, you're that much more desperate, not yeah. desperate, but you know, you're that determined. much more determined yeah. to try and find work. And sometimes 15 rejections on the you know, one after another can be quite demotivating. So it can, but I would say definitely don't take it personally. I think there's so many people out there applying for jobs that you've just got to think they may have had so many applicants that they might have not even read your CV. You're absolutely right. So I think really try not to take it personally. That's a very, very pertinent thing to say and extremely accurate that you can't take it personally. No, no. It is just a numbers game and if you keep going at it eventually and as I always say even if you only get an interview an interview is good experience definitely even if you crumble in that interview yeah it gives you that experience and then yeah you can be... take something away from that and thinking oh I didn't do so well in that question because most interviews do follow the same pattern of what they ask you they follow the same but they're still all so different by the people that interview the size of the company I the, would, there's so many variables i would say on the confidence thing also if you go for an interview and you don't get the job again don't take it personally because i think sometimes if the interviewer is not very good at interviewing then you they don't get the best out of you That's a very fair comment yes and then you can't sell yourself as well because maybe they're not asking you the right questions. questions. Yes. And in small companies, the person doing the interviewing, it 
They may not be trained on how to interview. Yes. They might do one interview or one replace one job every five years. Yes. So yeah. you know, it's asking a lot of them as well, yes. isn't it? Yeah. So, so yes, you're quite right that it that there has to be a good t technique yes. by the interviewer in the first place. Yeah. Other places it can be overwhelming because you might have somebody from HR, somebody from the department you're going to be joining, yes. somebody that's you know there for kind of you know fairness, and you've got all these faces looking at you, and that's a very different experience. So, yeah. um, so with the job you're now in, you just got an invitation for an uh, in-person interview or an online interview. It was in person, right? So. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it was definitely in person straight away. Yeah. And did they give you any indication as to whether it was going to be one interview? Two, were they going to filter down, or were you going to know immediately? No, they didn't give any any indication when they offered me the interview. They just said it would be two people interviewing myself, um, and just bring myself along. I said, did I need to bring anything with me? And they was like, no, that's fine. But generally. I always take a CV with me in case they go, oh, I've yes. not printed yours off. Or, yes. So I always take a copy. So it shows you a little bit prepared. Definitely. And again, sometimes they might ask you something and, you're you know, going your brain goes dead and you're like, oh, sorry, yes, I was there from. And you, yeah. need, you need dates and things in yeah. front of you, don't you? Yes. So, no, that, that um, is a very good idea. So... Um, so I think we can say that you went for an interview at a, a doctor's surgery. I did, yes. Yes? Yeah. And so you attended this first interview. Was that it or was there further interviews? No, that was the, uh, that was the one and only part right. of the interview. So they yeah. must have done quite a lot of filtering down to only interview once because sometimes you find they might interview, I don't know, 10 people the first time yeah. and whittle it down to two Yeah, I didn't something. ask afterwards actually. Um, normally I do ask, oh, have you interviewed many other people for the mm. job? Uh, when will you let me know, etc. But I didn't ask how many people they'd interviewed. So no. I don't know on that particular occasion. No. Well, that, that's great then. So how long was the time scale from the interview to them saying you were the successful candidate? They called me the next day. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you must yeah. have impressed them, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, they called me the next day in the morning, said we'd very much like to offer you the job. and Perfect. And what was the... Were they guided by your notice period or did they tell you when they wanted you to join? No, they was, they was guided by my notice period, which they asked in the interview, what, what is your notice period? I said four weeks. I said if they was particularly pushed for somebody and needed me before that, I could probably negotiate that because I was not leaving on bad terms no. with the other job. So yes. they, I said they may well be flexible, but they said, no, no, that's fine, four weeks. We'll stick with that. Yes. So that's what happened. Perfect. So you've now um, gone in for your first day. Yep. Was there any training offered to you on their computer system or yes. did they give you an idea of what you'd be doing? How did it all work? Day one as a new girl is, well, yeah. I find it quite daunting or do you find it exciting? I don't uh, know. A bit of both really. Yes. Um, uh, so training definitely was offered because it was established in the interview that I'd not used the system that they used before. Um, 
and obviously being on the computer course, not um, particularly au fait with computers. So I explained all that and I explained I was doing the course. They, they liked that. Um, so they said there was no worries for the computers because it's a particular system. They'll be able to do all the training. They bring someone in for a couple of hours who sits with you one-on-one -on -one to use the system, leave you notes, etc. And then this particular surgery then buddies you up with somebody each time you're in to help you with your training. So you do observing for the first week and then you do the work and someone's sitting with you. Gosh, well that's good that they, they are yes. so thoughtful to do that. And you're absolutely right, almost all uh, GP surgeries use the same software. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's called EMIS or it something is, like yeah. that, yes. And my experience of EMIS is it's, it's actually, it can be quite clumsy at times, I yeah. think I will say, but it is what it is and that's what you've got to work with. Yes. So yeah. I don't think any doctor's surgery would be put off by you not knowing it because it is so bespoke to to that into that kind of sector, yeah. a bit like um, schools all tend to use the same bespoke mm -hmm. software in, in, in schools. Yeah. And so yes, if you're lucky enough to find somebody that happens to have worked in a doctor's surgery before, but like all software, it's changing all the time. Yes. So, yeah. And different places use it slightly differently. So I think yes. working from a blank sheet is not a problem. No. Um, so they were, you were kind of doing more observation the first week and yes. now then you were on it. Yeah, yeah, and then you had someone sitting with you to guide you, but also they sort of left you to it and then they would just jump in if you was going slightly off-piste or you got a bit lost. Yes. They would go, oh, okay, you do this, this and this. Brilliant. So that's quite helpful. and. You have so many varied queries coming in that even people there work there years and years still are asking questions because you get real obscure queries come in. So that's good. So you don't feel no too awkward that you're asking lots of questions because people are asking questions all, all the time. time. Yes. No, that's interesting. So what does the day, I know one, no one day would be the same as another, no. <laughs> but what does a day look like working in a doctor's surgery? If one of our listeners saw an advert to go and work in a doctor's surgery, what could they expect? I mean, do you do any reception or is it all back office? I don't know. No, so this particular surgery rotates you <coughs> because you need that sort of, not break, but just change of direction, because otherwise it can be quite full on. So um, we do do reception, back office, and admin. Right. So you sort of rotate, rotate through the three on your shift, so it depends. And what is the full on, the reception? Or it can be either the reception or the phones. Right. Oh, yes. Again. I thought that was part and parcel, but the phones are separate to the... Yeah. Right. Okay. So when, at this particular surgery, when you're on reception, you don't answer the phone because right. you have enough people coming through the door that you wouldn't be able to then deal with the phone because... Well, lucky you, my GP surgery still doesn't let people through the door unless, you know... So you still have a lot of people coming through the door. So when you're on reception, you deal with the p 
people coming through the door and you also deal with the prescriptions, ordering people's repeat prescriptions. Right. And then when you're on the phones, you will do phones and admin in between answering calls. And then you do just admin. So when you're doing just admin again, you don't answer the phones because the phones are really busy and to do admin and answer the phones, it'd be too much. Yeah. You'd get a bit lost in what well, you're you doing. Well, you could potentially make a mistake yes. you, in the, on the admin side. Yeah. I would think you need to be have a clear head, quite focused, making yes. sure you're putting the right things in the right places. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, that sounds like they've, they've got a pretty good mix there. Yeah. So they've got quite a good system there, apparently. So other people that work there have worked in doctor's surgeries before have said, how they do how they do their system there is works they well. find it works well yeah so how long have you been there now rebecca is it three months six months four months four months how long would you say it takes to settle in from leaving one job to being comfortable in your job now so i'm comfortable now i would say to feel comfortable a month right uh, and I think that's any job yeah. because I think you've got to establish your routine there. The team have got to accept you, get used to you. Definitely. Because uh, I think when a new member comes in or uh, uh, someone leaves, the dynamics change and not bad, but just, it's just a different naturally dynamic, it? it just yeah. changes it. it. does. So I think it takes everyone a while to settle in. But I would say a month. Um, but they did tell me when I started the job that it, in this particular job as a doctor's receptionist that it takes six months to a year to really establish yourself and know what you're doing. Right. Well, no, that's lovely that they accept that, isn't it? Yeah. So um, now you are there. Do you look back to this time last year and think, I'm glad I made the change? Do you? Definitely. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. So you're glad you made the change. Yes. I... I like the job, it's varied, it's busy, I like that in a job. Yes. I don't want to be going and twiddling my thumbs. No. Um, and I like that I'm still dealing with people. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm really glad I made the move. And is it full time? It's part time. Part time. But again, there is opportunity to move around more hours, etc. Brilliant. Well, that, I think that's given us a good insight to um, a real person <laughs> applying <laughs> for jobs, going for an interview, and then actually taking the plunge and getting a new job. Yeah. So um, I, I really appreciate listening to that, and it does give us an insight as to what goes on in doctor's surgeries yes. as well, because <laughs> as an end user, it can be quite frustrating sometimes when you either can't get through or yeah. you know you yeah. can't get the help no, you need. No, they're all very, very busy, I would say that. Yeah. I was interested to be working there and not as a patient to see the other side of it, and I have found that quite interesting. Yes, I'm sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm glad I made the change. Well, thank you so much for your time, Rebecca. That's I really, okay. Thanks for really, having me. Yeah, I'm really interested to hear all of that. So, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. For help with all your job searching needs, do visit one of our digital drop-in venues. 
On a Monday, we are open 12.30 to 3.30 p.m. at our Poverest Centre. And on a Tuesday, we are open 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at our Kentwood Centre. In our sessions, we offer free use of computers for job searching, advice on creating a winning CV, plus lots of short training courses to gain skills in the digital world. This podcast has been produced by Bromley Adult Education College. For full details of how we can support your return to work, visit our website www.baec.ac.uk and search for Digital Drop. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to receive notifications of new episodes.